Earlier this week, our music director, Philip Smith, reposted someone else's Facebook post on his page. It read, my car is getting unbelievable gas mileage lately. Anybody else getting four weeks to the gallon? Yes, absolutely, I thought to myself. In fact, throughout this pandemic reality, one of the more indelible images for me has been this. I see so many people out walking. Not that we didn't all walk before, but, but now that a good number of us are home and a good number of us aren't really driving all that much, we naturally look to mix things up, to move our bodies, to get outside if at all possible. And so my neighborhood, I will sometimes now sit on the front porch to do some of my work and I'll look up and, and there are individuals, there are couples, there are families of three, four, five, and six and they will walk by our house because our house is, is part of this U-shaped kind of cul-de-sac with a park area in the middle. I'll look up and I'll see uh, people walking not only in front of my house but I can see across the cul-de-sac area and, and see still other people walking over there and in the park and it can be surreal at times watching all these people meandering with regularity and at all times of day. And then I turn to our passage in Luke this morning and I think, well then, the risen Jesus Christ is probably up to something special right now. Because it's in the Gospel of Luke that it's not at a big town hall meeting. It's not upon a high holy day. It's not in the great temple of Jerusalem, but it is while two disciples are walking that the risen Jesus appears to them after he has risen from the grave. These two disciples, they're walking seven miles from Jerusalem to this small village, Emmaus. Cleopas is the name of one of them, and we're not given the other's name probably because we're supposed to situate ourselves as that person. We're meant to understand that right now we are on this journey in some way. We read, they're, they're walking and they're, they're talking and discussing. And the, and the Greek word emphasizes, uh, there emphasizes a kind of inquiry where they're trying to figure something out. We're not told precisely the content of their conversation, though we can surely guess that they're talking about Jesus and, and his death on the cross and now this empty tomb and, and what all of it means. It's not really all that unlike looking up at my neighbors who are walking around these recent days. I don't know what any of them is talking about, and yet I kind of know what everybody's talking about. It's a bit unavoidable unpacking this pandemic reality and, and what it means or it doesn't mean and, and how what should be next and what shouldn't be next and all the small and big ways this reality is filtered into our everyday lives. Maybe, I imagine, even some of those neighbors press into the spiritual or the theological. Where is God? in all of this. And yet how often is it the case that even when we are looking for God, we find it's really God who ends up finding us, even if we didn't know it at first. Because into this walking conversation of disciples, a stranger comes. What, what are you discussing with each other as you walk along? Fairly innocuous question from the stranger. Uh, are you the only one who doesn't know all the things that have happened in, in these recent days? Of course he does. He's central to all the things. But he continues, what things? I love that. 
That honestly might be one of my favorite moments in all of Scripture. The, the God who definitely knows what's going on still decides to ask quite candidly, what things? Think of some of your best teachers, best counselors, best coaches, best mentors, even best friends. I would bet they have one critical thing in common. They ask good questions. They ask questions. Jesus could have begun right in with these disciples, teaching scripture, telling them all that has happened to him, and now he's alive, he's risen. But Jesus is a master rabbi, teacher. And the best teachers always lean in with questions. Because questions invite us to explore. Questions invite connection. Questions put the other person first. Questions open us. Questions, I think, are an underrated form of grace. And honestly, if you search the Gospels, you will see time and again, Jesus frequently ministers through questions. Here are just a few and see if you can recognize the context from which they come. What do you want? Why are you terrified? How many loaves do you have? How do you read it? Who do you say that I am? Do you love me? 307 times in the Bible, Jesus asks a question. That is far more than Jesus ever gives an answer. Questions are frequently the conduit of transformation for Jesus. And how often the risen Jesus Christ still ministers by way of questions to people along the road, whether we realize it or not. Some of you watched that live stream service we did on March 22nd when David Lee was up here doing the children's message and we had Hendricks and Roscoe and Maggie Seaman all present because they had just been baptized in that service of worship. And David Lee is telling them all about the kind of things we need to pack for all of the trips we take in our life. And he boils it down to saying that really in every single journey, the most essential thing that we need, the most essential things we need are God with us, the Holy Spirit in our hearts, and Jesus upon our lips. That's, that's the essential packing list. He finishes this great lesson. He's turning, visibly, ready to pray. And do you remember what happens at that moment? Maggie's hand shoots up into the air and asks, but, but what if it's a really long trip? And something about her question landed on one hand with, with humor. Oh, you never know the things children are going to say at the end of the children's moment. And also, on the other hand, landed with this profundity, profundity that, that nailed something quite near to the question that all of us needed to be asking on March 22nd. What if this is a really long trip? I've since wondered, was that grace? Was that Jesus through Maggie? Was Jesus, who's long been fond of ministering by way of questions and also by way of children? 
I do believe that sometimes there is more going on in some of the simple questions we ask get asked in our daily lives. These disciples think it's just a stranger asking questions that show just how out of touch he is. Now they do respond to this stranger. They tell him the facts about what's happened with this Jesus and, and, and in Jerusalem and the arrest and the crucifixion, now this empty tomb. But then here's the other thing about good and honest questions. Like grace, they can open us. And eventually we can find ourselves responding to questions not just with the facts, but with our heart. These disciples move from telling all the facts and eventually saying in response to Jesus' question, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, these disciples are going back and forth trying to figure out what to make of this Jesus dying in this empty tomb, but beneath the back and forth debate and what to make of all of this, there is this genuine, we had hoped for, Grief that is now named. We had hoped for a genuine and good and longed for redemption just around the corner. And I know I have said this in recent Sundays and I will say it again. I'm convinced that the effects of this pandemic reality on our society has been so swift and so drastic that even amid all of the incredible creativity we have seen, And there has been. Even amid all of the remarkable good that has come out of this, and there has been. Even amid all of the definite heroism we have seen. Even amid all of that, there is also not one person who does not know some measure of grief. The levels of grief vary among us. The timing of when that grief unfolds, whether it's unfolded significantly already or right now, or it may unfold months or a couple years down the road, that may all vary, yes, but, but ask a few f- questions of all those folks walking around. And who among us, if we speak from here, who among us won't eventually say, we had hoped to be with mom for her birthday this spring. We had hoped to play our final semester of the sport, to do the spring musical, to do prom together, to graduate together we had hoped to see him alive in person once more we 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 had hoped this would all be a couple weeks we had hoped the funds were there to keep the doors open longer we'd hoped to have a proper funeral a proper wedding We're all on this walk, and how often, just beneath the back-and-forth debates about what this all means and and what to make of all this, even amid all the good that has come of this, how often still, underneath it all, there lies this very real ache. But we had hoped. And like the disciples before Jesus, we too somehow must name our grief at whatever level we've known it. Because transformation begins in lament, in pain. Skip Good Friday and you do not get to Resurrection Sunday. There's no timeline. 
or how to move through or with the grief, but, but, but certainly we never f- move forward at all without eventually naming honestly that for which we had hoped. And sometimes I think it's not until the grace of questions invite us unto an honesty about what's going on here that we are now finally tender enough here to receive the transformation and teaching that Jesus has for us. Because it's, it's only at this moment in our passage, after the disciples confess that for which they had hoped. It's only now that Jesus, the master teacher, leans in with teaching. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into glory? Good Friday unto resurrection Sunday Is not that the paradigm of, of, of Scripture? And then beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted these things about himself and all these Scripture. The teaching begins in the new space of tenderness. And we don't know the specifics of what Jesus taught here, but we readily sense this is an extended Bible study. This, this is not sort of a quick scripture verse of encouragement. This is a walking journey through scriptures and slowly pointing out how all of the scriptures point to Jesus. A couple years back, I came across an article by Bill Watterson, or about Bill Watterson, I should say, that, the man who created and published the Calvin and Hobbes uh, series of cartoons from 1985 to 1995. I grew up, I love those cartoon strips. But the story was how, about the fact that at the age of 40, he retired. And he has then since proceeded to turn down millions of dollars time and again from companies who want to buy the rights to Calvin and Hobbes so that they those cartoons can be put onto t-shirts and coffee mugs and all the rest. Fascinating his rationale for not going for the millions. My cartoon strip works differently. Calvin and Hobbes isn't a one-off gag strip. The humor relies on conversation and the development of personalities and relationships. These aren't concerns you can wrap up neatly in a clever little saying for people to send to each other or hang on their walls. And I love this. To explore character, you need lots of time and space. Notepads and coffee mugs just aren't the appropriate vehicle for what I'm trying to do here. Watterson believes you can't And you don't get Calvin and Hobbes unless you read strip after strip, slowly piecing together the subtle nuances of character and narrative, and only then does the humor in life really pop. Put one of those strips on a bumper sticker and you immediately flatten it. You you, you lose something essential. Part of what I love about this passage from Luke is that Jesus teaches at a four weeks to the gallon kind of pace. To explore character, you need lots of time and space. There's no pithy way to get at the heart of the faith. There's no pithy way to simply know Jesus and, 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 and follow him. It, if it takes no less than a lifetime to know the mystery of any one person in this universe, then that is especially true if that person is also the God of this universe. So if ever there are moments where, where maybe you regret... You don't know more about 
scriptures and, and how Jesus is at, at work and speaking through those scriptures or, or regret that you're not hearing more of God through prayer or, or, or others in the body of, of Christ. Or if ever you just feel you really should be farther along with this whole thing. The church should be farther along with looking like and being like and loving like Jesus. Take heart. Ours is a God who teaches at the pace of a walk. To explore character, you need lots of time and space. And and thanks be to God that amid the, 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 the real challenges and grief of this pandemic reality, some of us have received the gift, like it or not, of God's pace for growth. Our passage ends with these now very curious disciples inviting this stranger for dinner, and it's over a meal. The stranger blesses and breaks the bread, and they finally recognize the identity of this stranger in their midst, and much could be said about this beautiful moment, but for now, just, I'll just observe this. Once again, Jesus shows up in the most ordinary of places, this time a meal. And truly, from, from the walking to the questions, to the grief, to the teaching, to the meal, from first to last, one of the most striking features of this entire passage is just how ordinary it is. Just as Jesus came as a babe in a manger, Jesus now rises and chooses, chooses again to make himself known in the everyday ordinary. The disciples, they finally realize it was Jesus with, with them when they recall the Ordinary places where the fire of life eternal caught upon their hearts. Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? Look back over these recent days where our pace has so often slowed to a walk. Listen again for some of the questions that have been asked of you. Notice maybe some of the moments where you have named an honest grief. Listen again for the scriptures you've read or heard or or sung. Look back over some of the simple meals you've shared. Which is to say, invite the Holy Spirit to help you peruse some of the recent ordinary memories. Have we known our hearts burning during any of this? Or even now? Is it possible Jesus has found us recently and we didn't, we didn't even know it? And what's he saying? What's he teaching? What is, what is it Jesus does not want us to miss as we walk these very unique days? Because one day this pandemic reality will be over. How will we have been changed for good? Because Jesus met us. And then one final consideration. There are a lot of other people walking around these days. And and many of you in the church have made inquiries about how you can be helpful. How to be loving. How how to make any kind of difference uh, amidst all of this. A lot of thoughts can be given on that. But in light of our passage this morning, how about this? What if the body of Jesus Christ showed up amid all these friends and family, these strangers and congregants, all these people walking and talking? What if we were the ones who came alongside them and asked questions? Not pushy questions, overbearing questions, calculated questions, ill-timed questions, not that kind of questioning. 
honest, open, compassionate, loving, sit with you for a while questions. Phone calls, Zoom calls, letters, mealtimes, socially distanced walks. Because as much as this is a time where people crave answers, I think even more the soul crave, craves good questions. Questions invite us to explore and connect. Questions put others first. Questions invite us to open up. Questions, I think, are an underrated form of grace. And if the church showed up with questions, eventually hearts will open. And then perhaps some may even eventually say, were not our hearts burning within us as they consider how it was precisely amid the we had hoped pandemic, that it was the body of Jesus Christ who'd shown up and walked with them, full of grace. Let us pray. Gracious God of the journey, we give thanks that in season and out of season, up the mountaintops and most assuredly in the valleys, you walk with us. We do not always recognize you, but we pray in this moment you would attune our hearts and our eyes to yours. Show us where our hearts have burned within these recent days. Show us where you have been speaking a word or offering a gift or showing forth direction. We continue to walk these strange and difficult days of ours recognizing both the beauty and the grief. We give you thanks for the myriad of ways that people have shown forth resilience and love. We give thanks for tender moments with children we would never have had had they not been home for tender moments with parents we would never have had had we not been home. We give thanks for conversations and insights that would not have been gleaned had we not slowed in these recent days. We give thanks for, for healing and unexpected provision. We give thanks for the beauty of your creation that has shined in abundance these recent days where pollutants have receded. And also we pray for those who carry grief. Those who knowingly do so and those who will only recognize the grief at a later date. For those who mourn alone. For those who worry deeply about the payments, the savings. The children, the parents. For those who ache to see a loved one and cannot. For those fearful of not having food of being exposed to the virus, of exposing others to the virus. For those juggling so much more responsibility in this time. For those longing for doors to reopen, longing for friends to embrace, longing for plans to be known. For those weighed down by decisions and uncertain about which way to go. For those we so easily lose sight of when these moments arrive, for those on the margins and under the bridges, those with illnesses and aches other than COVID-19, those with no one to pray for them. We pray for each of these, 
open their hearts unto you that we might minister your love and transforming power and provision unto them. We enfold our every prayer into the prayer that you taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.